excited. Yeah, we're super live now. Super live. I don't I don't care that any of you are here. I'm only I'm only happy that Lonnie's here. Hi Lonnie. Because oh. you're Yay. nice. Everyone else is mean. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the truth, Nate. <laughs> I, I, that's all I got. I don't know. That's all I got. We got a big show today. We got five whole people. Uh, I'm going to be around for the first part of it, and then I'm going to dip out and let actual smart people take over because I just kind of talk a lot and never shut up, So, and I don't know anything, so that'll be magical. We got Ray. Hi, Ray. How's it going? Lovely. We got Lonnie Fox Raymond. Hey, everybody. Pinozo's here, and uh, I'm going to give you the floor here just in a second, but say hi first. Who? You. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's you, you're giving me the floor. I thought you were talking about Jim. No, you got the wrong goal there. It's high. Not who. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> As and then we have Jim Telford, the famed Scotsman. How you doing, everybody? Welcome. All it's right, Mike. Well, I want to hand it over to you first because I would like you to talk about all these crazy emails I've been getting and just give a little plug for the nomination process for the Hall of Fame. Oh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so this is the time of year where the uh, the U.S. Billiard Media Association gets together and starts putting together its list of uh, nominees for the BCA Hall of Fame. Um, there's a player, greatest players category, obviously. Uh, I don't know how many players are on that. You you automatically qualify for that once you reach 40 if you've won a an international uh, title recognized by the BCA. Um, so there's a lot of players on that list. Players like Niels Fagan is still on that list. Corey Duell, uh, a couple of players like that who are who are still in the running. Um, and then uh, we review things like you know veteran, what we call veteran players, uh, players who may have been overlooked or who were on the ballot earlier in their career, and then once they reach 60, if they haven't been elected, they drop off the ballot. So we'll be looking over uh, some players that may have been overlooked in the past, you know, like a Jimmy Mattia or a Keith McCready or, you know, someone like that. Um, and then there's meritorious service category as well. Uh, that's, you know, people have had some kind of impact on the, on the sport and or industry through, you know, through other means than playing. Um, so it's always a fun process. We get, uh, there's about 25 to 30 USBMA members. Um, and then once we, Pick, get the ballot funneled down. It goes to uh, those members as well as to living Hall of Famers and um, a handful of, you know, experts in the field who end up doing all the final voting. So um, it's it's a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. The, uh, the Hall of Fame banquet this year, as in previous years, will be at the uh, in Norfolk at the International Open during those uh, during that event. So uh, it's something to keep your eye out for uh, to see who, who gets elected this year. And it's always a great event to be at. And I appreciate your uh, letting me take time to to spew that stuff out there. Well, certainly. I mean, I'm like a tiny little part of it now these days. So uh, no, it's great. I wanted to uh, to have success, some success going forward. And then if I can use a platform to help with that, sure. Awesome. Appreciate great. it. Appreciate Please. it. Yeah, we all do. Is Earthquake literally not in the Hall of Fame, Keith? No, he's not. Yeah. Got to get him in there. <laughs> well, I, I, the, the Pool Hall of Fame is probably one of the most difficult 
to get into of any major sport. I, I would venture. They only take, they only take one per year. Uh, they can take two, but you'd have to have, am I right in saying this? You have to have two people that have over 75% of Correct. death votes. Yeah. To get, so that has happened exactly three times Once. or twice. Once. It's only been once since we went to that format. And that was the year okay. that Allison so and Johnny Jack. were both on, Johnny the, and yep. uh, on the ballot for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough Hall of Fame to get into, and it should be. I mean, you know, all Hall of, to me, you know, my philosophy, all Halls of Fame should have great players who are not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of – there should be, you know, there's, there's, there's baseball players who hit 400 home runs who are not in the Hall of Fame, you know. So you're talking about great players. Um, so it's, it's, it, it gets to be a, a tough, a kind of a fine line, especially when you get into those older players like a Mattia or a McCready or someone like that, who played in an era where there weren't, you know, a dozen or more very well-defined tournaments during the course of a year where you could really kind of measure them up, right? So that becomes a little bit, um, uh, little bit tougher, you know, to look at players from those eras. Um, so, but it's, you know, it's it's always it's always a good argument. I mean, it's those types of they're great barstool sports arguments when you talk to people about halls of fame and greatest players and stuff like that. So, um, it's you know, it, it's 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 one of my favorite parts of the business. I want to put you on the spot here, Mike. Yes. Uh, who is the greatest pool player you think that has missed out on the Hall of Fame to this point? Boy, that's a really tough one. I think, you know, to me, everybody who's in the Hall of Fame deserves to be in there, obviously. Um, who's not in the Hall of Fame? You know, players that I saw play. Man, that's a really tough one. <laughs> it's a really tough one because I don't want to, I don't want to dump on players who I don't think really are Hall of Fame timber. You know, although a lot of people think they're great players, Jimmy Matthias probably right up there. Uh, as far as guys who are still on the ballot, uh, Niels, Niels and Corey are are pretty up there. And Niels, I, I I've got to assume is going to get in. You know, it's just it's it's a matter of time because his resume is is right up there with everybody's. You know, you talk about multiple world championships and and all the other victories and you know his his years of playing and staying at the top of you know how many times. You know, I never include Moscone Cup uh, appearances is a determining factor to me, but being on a Moscone Cup, you know, in a lot of those years meant you were probably one of the top five. You know, you were one of the top five players in Europe probably one of the top 10 players in the world. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty good benchmark too. So, um, uh, yeah, they, I'd say, you know, if, if I really had to think about it, I, I would say Niels is probably the best player who's not currently in the hall of fame. I just want to say Jeanette Lee's watching. Hi Jeanette. I was say, we have well. a, we have a BCA hall of famer in there. Jeanette there Lee's you go. We have a proper superstar on our, uh, with yeah. us. Hey. So, uh, yeah, I think I agree with Niels. Um, I mean, as I, I'm a voting member, I made at the end of, I guess, the voting session, I do make my votes um, public for and against whoever I voted against. And I did vote for Niels last year. Uh, I voted for Niels and Dennis, and I believe that was actually it. Uh, the year before that, Torsten got in, right? Correct. And I voted, and I voted for him as well. 
Yeah. Uh, well, who the makes the nominations for these? Well, like I said, you know, players uh, automatically in the greatest players category, they automatically get in based on their age and uh, titles. So um, not everyone, you know, who qualifies ends up on the ballot for very long. I mean, you know, if, if, if you're over 40 and you've won a major title, you know, and, and that's something we've discussed in recent years, changing it to two or three major titles, because you get someone like a Tommy Kennedy who won the U.S. Open. Okay, he's over 40, won the U.S. Open. By rule, he should be, you know, part of that ballot, but he was on for a very brief period of time, and, and there just wasn't much interest in that. Um, and and no one's going to argue that he had a Hall of Fame career, right? So, um, so you try to make that he benchmark. <laughs> I don't even know if he would. <laughs> you have to make a benchmark so that it's, you know, that it's something that that you can see, and you know, that you know who qualifies and who doesn't. But even then, there's a little bit of a some wiggle it, room there. Did so the BCA. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Did did Perica get in eventually? Uh, Parika did get in. Parika got in um, in the veteran committee. So he had he had uh, been on the ballot when he was younger, and then it reached a certain age where he drops off the ballot and he goes into this other group of veteran players. And that's when a shorter, a smaller committee gets together and reviews it and spends some time discussing it and says, "Okay, did someone get kind of left out in error?" And and Jose was one of those players who was around during the time he was on the ballot during a time where the voting was done by the manufacturers and, you know, and, and the members of the BCA who were exhibitors at the trade show. And, and a lot of them had, you know, a lot of them made fireplaces and outdoor furniture. They don't know, you know, Jose Perica from Jose yeah, Cuervo. Say, so, he, he, he might um, be the greatest Filipino to ever play the game. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that, and that's what the veteran committee group then is for is to get in there and say, okay, this is someone who obviously got overlooked. We got to rectify this, right? I got to. I got to wonder when when you get your own green jacket, Mike. Who me? Yeah. <laughs> I always say, listen, I, I I couldn't support any club that would have me as a member. <laughs> hey, what about us? We, we, we you're a member of our club. Yeah. <laughs> What does that tell you about what uh, kind of regard he puts us in? <laughs> no, it's it's uh, there's there's a lot of really you know deserving people in our industry who who need to get uh, uh, who you know should be recognized and uh, you know I think you know it's only a matter of time for like a Mark Griffin. It's too bad that he wasn't alive for that, but you know uh, Jerry Bryseth last year, Greg Sullivan, you know they. they there's it's it's actually a, a pretty good list of people who you have to give serious consideration to and because you only do one greatest player and either a meritorious service or a veteran committee in each year it takes a while I mean, you can be on the ballot for a while no matter how deserving you are because it's just you know so, and that's for me that's that's what a hall of fame should be like it should be it should take some real decision making. It should take some time, and it, and it should be it should be difficult to get into. Unless it's the year that Shane Van Boning turns forty, and then it's very easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's certain guys who you know you you know that the first year they're going to be on the ballot, they're going in. Yeah, and that's and that's that's the way it should be too. You know, and that's um, it's just who joins them. So after Shane, I'm, I'm like looking across the industry of people that are coming up on that 40-year-old mark that are, in my mind, no doubt Hall of Famers. Uh, 
after Shane, I'm not. Can you think of any that are kind of falling into that category? Uh, we mentioned Niels. Niels is, is there. Niels yeah. is already on the ballot. He's over. He's 43, I believe, right? So he's uh, he's already yeah, on okay. the ballot. Yeah, yeah, Niels has been on for a few years. Um, I'm talking about yeah. That, um, I mean, Jason's 34. I mean, he's no, he's quite a ways away yet. Yeah, I mean, you got, uh, he's you quite got, a ways away yet. Um, yeah. I'm t- I mean, I'm sure. I guess I don't really know how old a lot of. I mean, Roberto Gomez is no. He's actually over 40. It's actually kind of well. I guess now that I think about it, you got to be on there from winning a, a major international well, title. Kayon Kim, Kayon Kim will be eligible next year. Yeah, you know, she was certainly up there. Um, you know, I don't know where you stand on someone like a Yungling Chang. Uh, you know, Jason Shaw won't be eligible for like twenty nine. Uh, Co, Albin Ocean, you're looking at. 2030, 2031. Alvin is even younger than Jason, I think. So. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, for, for the kind of sign no brainers, uh, it's going to take a while, which is good because, you know, then it gives a, a better chance for someone like Neil to get his spot. Uh, because, well, you know, a lot of guys ended up sitting out for two or three or four years because a bunch of no brainers came in four years in a row. And then it's, you know, then you just, you know, you're, you're going to be second place for a lot of years in a row. <laughs> I think uh, Jim actually mentioned his name a little bit earlier. We're going to talk about him a little bit later or at some point in time during this podcast. How old is uh, Vandenberg, Jim? Uh, Nick he's, be in the, he's not 40 yet, maybe. You don't think so? He's got, yeah, yeah, probably not, but he's, you know, he's, he's getting, getting there. Um, but, um, yeah, you talk about, I mean, Nick's had a, a, had a great career on the European stage. Yeah. You know, multiple short. European yeah, championships, short. multiple yeah. Eurotour wins. He had a period in his career between like 2007 to 2012 where he was always in the top three on the rankings for the Moscone Cup team, um, one of the top Europeans. You talk about did he really, did, did he perform or did he achieve what he could have achieved on the world stage? I think even he would admit that he, he fell a bit short there right. on, what, on what he could have achieved. Um, right. I think he had a lot more in the tank when he was right at the top of his game. Uh, just didn't quite get there. Um, so I, I don't know, Nick. On a Nick, well, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that would that would be a tough one to me. I mean, you know, yeah. everybody's got their own. That's the great thing with the voting is you get your own, use your own, um, you know, way that you determine who you think deserves or not. Right. And like for me, Chris it's always been... got to be getting close too. I'm sorry, Chris Melling. I feel like it's got to get close too. Again, yeah, yeah. Has he really snapped off, has, has he snapped off those tournaments that automatically puts him in the running for something yeah. like that? I'm, uh, and it, I think for me, it's always about it's about a couple of things. One, did you ever dominate? Were you ever the dominating player? Right. Two, majors. You know, I don't care how many Euro tours you won, how many whatever. It, you know, the greatest always come down to how many major titles did you win? When everybody was swinging their hardest, how many did you come up with? Um, those are two of the biggest thing to me. And then longevity can be, you know, something that can be like a, a little tipper, you know, in someone's favor uh, if it was over a long period of time. So, you know, but everybody's got their own kind of rules that they guide themselves by. And that's what makes the arguments interesting always. So it's like, like I said, it's like that in all sports. I got a question for you. Francisco Sanchez Ruiz. Let's say it all stopped now as far as his domination goes, and he's dominated for one year, basically. A year he's dominated for. He has does that get to. is that, is that has hmm? to be. 
Is that a Hall of Fame career? One year? Are you at all? Are you at all? No, it's, it, but it's not like, he, not like he didn't play in any other year. He did well yeah, in no, other years he, as well. So, about, but if you looked at, if you, if you said, okay, it wasn't one year. If you said, okay, here's a guy who won, you know, two world championships in the U.S. Open – you know that's that's Albin, that's right? I mean, when you, when that's you, Albin, but you're not thinking about it being Albin in one year. You're thinking no, about yeah. this is part of his career. So yeah, he would be consideration, right? Yeah, so actually, more than Albin, right? Because Albin's never won a U.S. Open because he did it all in one year. Albin's never won a U.S. Open though. Well, he's, well, he's uh, got no. a couple of world, a couple no. of world titles. He's got two. He's got two world championships. Yeah, right. four finals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that FSR is a better career than FSR, but FSR has three absolute lockup number one tier type of uh championships right. and Albin right. has two yeah and he shouldn't yeah, get it just, was just the, the the criteria that that, that might just happen to mention there with so he did that uh, right. world, world titles longevity and dominate yeah. and you've got the world title well, I mean, it, could be, it could be it could be either or it could be one yeah, of yeah. the three I mean, or whatever yeah, yeah. and so so yeah you know did he dominate absolutely he dominated. oh like he nobody has year, two years whatever uh, then he was the dominant player, the number one, you know, the big cheese. Uh, so that would that would give that to me that would give someone a lot of weight. So what's he got? I nine years. So that's uh, yes, that's, that's thirty. That's thirty-three. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a while. It's gonna be a while. I mean, it, if if FSR retired today, never touched a pool queue again at forty, I it'd be it'd be tight. I think I would have to vote for him. I think I would have to vote for him. Yeah, I got. It'd be tight, but I, I'd probably it'd be consideration for sure. Maybe I mean maybe not the first year, but certainly by forty four, forty five. I think at some point in time, you know, maybe you want to make a statement, say, all right, well, you retired at thirty one, or you stopped winning at thirty one, whatever it comes out to being. Uh, Maybe you don't to go deserve to go first ballot like a Shane would, or um, yeah, of course somebody like that. But I think by forty four, forty five, I think at some point in time, you're like, all right, well. We can't we can't give it to you in the first four years, but the fifth year, you you did win two world championships. You won a U.S. Open, and I think that at the end and and a world pool or a world cup of pool, you know, a couple Moscone cups. I think at some point in time you got to say, all right, that's mm-hmm. it's the only reason I won't vote for Corey Duell personally uh, is because the the biggest title on his on his resume is a asterisk. Right, I mean that was the year of the soft break, and we're talking about the U.S. Open when he beat Mika fourteen to zero or thirteen to zero, whatever it was. Um, that was an asterisk for me. And if that is your number one thing on your resume, and the next thing on your resume is a fall off of, you know, it's certainly a full tier of, you know, he's not a world champion. He's he's won like an All Japan uh, Open stuff like that. I mean, he has a couple of good wins on it, but if he's, your, he's your number one win is Corey, a question, Corey, I'm not going to give you credit for that. Corey's a Hall of Famer uh, simply on the fact that the entire conversation we have on modern nine ball is entirely impacted by his uh, addition to the game, whether you agree with it or not. He's fundamentally shifted nine ball from the 90s era of heartbreaking and explosive, all this other stuff with no rack knowledge at all to super champions now who have optimized rack reading and breaking and get made it to the point where it's a total joke across the board and they have to implement rules like nine on the spot break box all this other stuff to mitigate his influence he every time somebody goes to a matchroom event now and is breaking open a nine ball rack with the nine on the spot they sh- they're being impacted by Corey's addition to nine ball whether you agree with it or not it is i so feel cool. like he- it's so yeah 
that he, he was totally the beginning of the whole rack mechanic thing. Like absolutely. That has completely pivoted nine ball into a modern era. And he's the focal point linchpin of it. So as a greatest player or meritorious service. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, he's done I'm enough. As a player I think, I think he's done enough as a player. <laughs> Thanks for ruining the game. We love just Corey. Yeah, it's, 100%. it's like, I don't know. Would I vote for him or would I make sure he never made it? I think, Tom, I think, Tommy, right, yeah. I think Tommy Kennedy is more spin. impressive than his. And if we're not, I mean, we can, no, just, we can agree that he, Tommy Kennedy is not just, one. Why do we, why do we automatically? He's too influential. It, it's kind of like, you know, like, like a Steph Curry changed, uh, changed basketball, right? Now everybody's getting up in their high school gyms, shooting threes from half court and the kids, that's what they do. But he you know also, I mean? but he also, he also, his game he, also he, elevated to the very top. Okay. So Corey oh, sure. impacted this I mean, change, but that didn't make Corey a champion. It just made everybody play differently. Sure. And, but, but Corey's won a U.S. Open yes. and he's won. Well, He's won, won some other tour events. Multiple. I mean, you know, some legitimate tour yeah. events when the UPA tour had all the yeah. top players, things like that. He's won a number of tour events. But again, if I put more weight, a lot more weight in majors, then he comes up a little short. Yeah. I would Especially also. Especially when the they, one he does have has an asterisk. You can't say it doesn't. They're, they're, I mean, he blanked the guy in. Yes. <laughs> better those are the rules and he played better uh joe joe tucker should probably be considered getting in as well for his meritorious service that's a serious guy yeah i've got a question for you mike let's say you've got one year and your top candidate you as a as a group the committee is there a is there a situation where you decide the top candidate we don't think he's worthy of it and there's a year where nobody gets inducted um there hasn't been uh, there have been a couple of years where it's been kind of close, <laughs> you know, where, where the top vote getter, you know, got, you know, barely 50% of the votes. Uh, but um, uh, but in general, there's always been, you know, there's, there's there has been a couple of times where uh, we've thought that there wasn't someone from one of these other categories, but we've always been able to uh, put uh, a list of greatest players together that we thought was strong enough that whoever did get the most votes deserves to go in so there is the intention that there will be the intention is yeah you'd like to get someone in there every year yeah of course yeah i think that there's a couple and i think, I think going that way too you you end up having staggered you know you have people that'll slot in and so somebody gets right. pushed back and so there's always a few years worth of people that are in consideration mm -hmm. i mean even like uh i mean parika the fact that he, it took him that long to get inducted is yeah. kind of yeah. crazy and uh you know yeah beautiful player yeah. so but that's what makes it compelling yeah, and uh maybe one day, one day when i have a financial windfall me and mike pinoza will collaborate on a on a proper hall of fame <laughs> that we can yeah. build yeah and bring i mean bring, bring our friends yeah be really cool i always think of that scene in at the end of uh, a league of their own where they have you know they 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 come and they have their addition to the to the hall of fame or whatever with all the women yeah. and stuff from yeah. that. It's kind of just thinking about yeah. that for. No, I think it's a great thing. It's, I think it's one of the coolest things about the sport. You know, it's, it's, we're lucky to be in a sport that has such history and it's so old that we've got a hall of fame that really means something. And, and uh, um, you know, that it's, it, it's, it's the history of your game. You know, it's, it's, you know, where would you put the hall of fame? Physically, uh, if, there, if, if there was a physical hall of fame, 
I don't know. I don't know that I would put it anywhere. I mean, you know, if, if, if we had money to spend, I would have it as a traveling Hall of Fame and bring it to major events. And then you could actually get people paying to go see it. Now, these days, would, and the great thing with, with technology these days is you could have a traveling Hall of Fame and still have it very interactive and very in videos and, and pieces of talk and AR all stuff. that kind of stuff. Uh, you could do a lot yeah. with it. So I think that you would have a lot more. Uh, uh, yeah, that way. 100%. I will tell you this. I think it would be amazing to be able to go into an event like the Super Billiards Expo or the APA Nationals or the VNEA Nationals. And you actually have a booth set up where you can actually go in there and you could actually see all of these Hall of Famers with a little plaque. You know, they're, uh, you know, a, a list of their Make resumes, them stuff them like them. that. Yeah. yeah. Vo voiceover na narration by Mike. Yeah, yeah. You got to get a better voice than this. Uh, <laughs> but I think that'd be, I think I, that'd I be fantastic think... for like not only the understanding of what the BCA Hall of Fame is, but also, uh, you know, just just the growth and the the understanding that this is out there. And I think uh, the one thing that Pool has always lacked is marketing, not for lack of effort, but for lack of platform. Let's say, I yeah. think that'd be a great, and yeah, I think that'd be, be a great thing really for cool. the game. Yeah. It'd be really cool. I think uh, Raymond, I, for lottery. me, for whatever reason, yeah, for whatever reason, I think uh, like it would either have to be in like Virginia or in New York, for whatever reason. Uh, New York, New Jersey area, so many amazing champions that yeah, came there out are, there. There's uh, like they a, always talked about it in Vegas they, because the national tournaments were always out there every year. So you got 7,000 APA people out there in May. You got 7,000 VNA yeah, people out there in, in July, whatever it is. I mean, so, but again, I don't think no matter where you put it, if you put a permanent yeah. Hall of Fame in someplace, you're not going to get a lot of traffic. I mean, I'm in the bowl. I'm in the bowling yeah. industry. Bowling had oh its, no, it's fine. bowling had a no, permanent no, no. physical Hall of Fame in St. Louis, right on the corner right. of Card Bush Stadium. It was it was a spectacular right. place, and they they really tricked out. It was a really cool Hall of Fame, but you know, it's not something you're going to make money at with with people no, visiting no. and they they had a decent number of visitors uh but uh then they moved it to their new headquarters in uh in texas and it's just you know people dribble in and dribble out but i think that it would have more impact taking it around and dropping it in front of people and uh and and saying listen look you know whether you're a pool player or not come in and see what what our history is about sure the thing the thing that i that, that i mean i've been to two of the the hall of fame banquets now and the thing that, that I really love about the whole thing is that the players who have been inducted, they will crawl over broken glass to get to the next event. They're all there. They're all there dressed. Oh, yeah. They, they all do. They, they, they all make the effort and do their best to be there for the next person that's getting inducted and right. making sure it's a special uh, evening for the new the new guy or the new girl who's coming in. And they right. make them feel very, very special. They welcome them to the club. You know, it's, it is. I mean, it is a green jacket as well, but it is like winning that Masters yeah. Uh, golf. Yeah, you, you, you're in. You're in really, really exclusive company. Exactly. Welcome and, and to the that's club. The whole thing. Yeah, that's and, the whole thing. That's, that's why it's a fantastic you, evening. Yeah, uh, and it's it's I I I I think it's great. I love the Hall of Fame. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, we, yeah. I'm, I'm, what I'm really hoping to do is have it in Vegas again next year. Um, do one of those anniversary Hall of Fames where we get flying all the Hall of Famers and do it in Vegas during the Moscone Cup next year would be would be great. Cue up table. Awesome, yeah. What's that? Cue up table. There you go. There you <laughs> go. 
We're going to start lobbying Mike, see if we can get it uh, set up. That would be cool. That would be, I think it would be fun to do that there. Uh, And, you know, I got to be honest, part of the reason would be is that, you know, next year would be Shane's year. And Shane alone is going to require a room bigger than we can get at the International Open. (laughs) I mean, unless you kick out all the tables and decide to take over the entire uh, one. (laughs) So, but, but, you know, it's been, I think 17 was when we had uh, the 50th anniversary where we had all the Hall of Famers fly in and all that kind of stuff and had more of a festivity about it. Um, And so that's been, you know, this will be five, six years since then. So it's time to do it again. Yeah. Love it. I'll be there. So anyways, we've spent a half an hour on the Hall of Fame, which I really appreciate. It's a great conversation. We could have a whole show about the Hall of Fame anytime you guys want to do it. But I don't think everybody tuned in today to listen to me drone on about the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, they certainly didn't tune in to listen to Jim and I. So <laughs> someone, someone's got to be entertaining. Lonnie, Raymond, Mike. Well, what do we have going on? For my good looks. What do we have going on this week? In the Nothing world? really. It's been a boring week. This man. week, this week is the Whirlpool Masters. Oh, Come on. yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna yeah. spend most of our time covering the Whirlpool Masters, but we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the big time classic because it, it you know it is a pretty big event and it's worth talking about. So uh, we'll talk we'll start with the ladies because uh, I don't know I have them up and awesome. Uh, April Larson and Sophia Mast uh, they uh, ended up chopping it. It must have been like four a.m. or something like that. Sophia had a uh, flight back uh, the next morning. And April was actually pretty accommodating with the way that uh, they played that match. Um, They both tried to play about as quick as they could comfortably play to try to get the match done. Uh, April won the first set of the finals. Uh, Sophia had the chair. Uh, April Larson won the first set, and they decided to chop it. Uh, So April Larson, I believe, is the second weekend in a row that she's involved with a chop at the end. Uh, This weekend, last week, with with, uh, the famous... the famous uh, calling the cops incident, which I do want to give <laughs> Tina credit. Uh, we kind of torched her a little bit last week. She did reach out and apologize. So I, that was not an easy thing to do. I'm sure. I think we at least need to acknowledge it after, uh, after having the conversation we did last week, I think it's important to acknowledge that she at least reached out and apologized for her actions. So uh, I'll throw that out there past that. Uh, I guess, uh, Lonnie, you said you watched some of this. Do um, you want to talk about anything that happened on the ladies' side? Um, I actually only watched a few of Sophia's really good about live streaming her matches. So she's like top notch about that. So it was nice to be able to see some of the ladies' matches because pool action doesn't tend to cover the ladies much. Although they do have the event, they don't usually put it on the live stream. So it's nice that the, the, the younger girls, Sophia, Savannah, they're really good about putting that stuff out there on social media so that the people can watch. So I did get to see quite a few matches and, um, you know, Sophia was playing really, really well. And then there was a, a match. I think it was final four of the winner's side. And I'm not sure if I'm going to say this girl's name right, but Soledad Ayala. I don't know how to say your name, but I did look her up and she has a, like a 630 Fargo. So she's only a few points behind April and she took April to the Hill for uh, the final four of the winner's side. Um, I, she didn't make it back through obviously with Sophia and April playing in the finals, but, um, I thought that was a good mention. I'm not exactly sure where she's from, uh, but she played great. And so it, it was a, it was a good tournament. I think they had like 39 ladies, they added a thousand dollars, um, to the field. So I thought that was a good, that was a good tournament for the ladies to, 
to have available to them. Um, it was on, I, th I think it was all on seven footers though. Um, yeah. So um, I think that the, the, the final three, four is probably from. about where it's supposed to be. She's from Argentina. Just so Okay. You know. I, I was like, I knew she wasn't American. I just wasn't sure exactly where she was from. Um, but she played great. And April played good. Sophia played great. Uh, and then as far as the rest of the tournament, I watched a little bit of the one pocket because I'm a big Chohan fan. So, um, so I did get to watch some of that, although he didn't win the tournament. I kind of feel like lately a lot of the pool action productions are kind of the uh, Roberto Gomez show. I don't know what's going on there, but he has. He's been winning a ton of them. So right now, if you turn on pool action, you're for sure going to see Berto. But um, he had a great event, too. I think he uh, I think he I think he won the one pocket. Yep. Go well, going into so, the he won. He won the nine ball. So he beat um, yeah. Warren Kiamko in the finals. Danny Olson gets third. Yeah. Cool to see Danny's name again. Um, I think he was kind of on the cusp of making the, the U.S. Moscone Cup team like two years ago. And then he kind of, yeah. I don't want to say fell off, but I mean, I, I haven't really seen his name around all that often in the last two years. Uh, so he's kind his of hair got to, longer. He got his hair got very longer. <laughs> he's got a whole man bun now. Yep, he's down to his, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's down to his shoulders. And this had a, a pretty good, uh, let's say, let's say regional event. Um, I think Roberto Gomez, I would say, of this field is probably the only top international player. Maybe you can throw uh, Billy on the bottom side of that. Billy Thorpe was there. Uh, other than that, there's a lot of really good regional players. Uh, Justin Espinoza, Warren Kiamko, obviously not a, uh, a regional player, but, you know. Um, Rob Saez, uh, Evan Lunda, Blaine Barkas. Uh, there's a lot of players, I guess, that are in there that uh, – Shane kind of regional powerhouses. Yeah, Shane McMinn was yeah. in there. Tony Chohan. Riley um, Saez. So, yeah. So uh, I guess we can uh, close that one out there. That's the nine ball. And then the one pocket, as you said, also went on during this. And I do not have that up, apparently. Uh, I think uh, it was Gomez and Evan Lunda. And then yeah. Chohan and uh, your guy, Blaine Barkas. Didn't you just do a 21 yeah, questions third, with yeah. him? Yep. Yeah, he finished real good, too. So, yeah. Blaine's a great guy. Blaine's a great guy. April and Sophia are both tremendous girls. They're great credits to the sport. So it's kind of cool to see that they kind of hustled along to help Sophia get to her flight. Uh, you know, she travels all over the place, but, you know, has to get back to school and all that kind of stuff. And her family prioritizes that. So I call her Little Champ. So shout out to Little Champ for doing great. And Blaine's also done really well recently in some one-pocket events. He did he had a decent run at the Derby and – you know, continues to do well. Uh, so he's a great guy as well yeah. down in Texas. Okay. So with that, let's move on, I guess, to the Whirlpool Masters uh, preview. Jim, did you want to take this one? Yeah, it's on. I think, we, I, I think we finally have a full field. Let's address the... I'll believe the, that when I see it. <laughs> the issue, we lost Feder due to visa issues. Uh, unfortunately, Gibraltar, Gibraltar is technically its own country, right? But it, it would seem so pretty unlikely. It's not in Gibraltar this year. Oh, it's, it's not in Gibraltar. Where's it at? It's in the UK, in the Brentford Centre. Why am I just now figuring this out? See, this is why I'm doing this part, and you're supposed to <laughs> yeah, shut up. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Come prepared, Nate. <laughs> so, I'll kick myself off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did say that, didn't he? He did yeah. say he was going to bow out. Yeah. But he just couldn't, could he? He just couldn't keep his mouth shut. But there you go. <laughs> so so I do want to say, though, 
that yeah. you were talking about the visa issues with Feder, and I did hear from Feder today, and he did get his Spanish visa. Okay. Which means he can go to the Spanish. He's good to go to the Spanish Open and the European Open. Okay. So that that's good still, news because that was a little that was a little dicey too because he told. But there's still a, there's, there's still a time issue for getting him to the UK Open then. Uh, yes, I think he still has to wait for that uh, UK visa to come through to get to the US Open. So he's probably got or the uh, the UK Open. So he's probably got another ten days, hoping yeah. that it comes through. Mike, uh, in Federer's case, he he's he's recently gotten uh, his green card, correct? Uh, well, no, he's gotten his uh, travel authorization. Travel authorization. Um, you know, so. and he's still waiting for his green card. But the green card is kind of almost as long as he doesn't go rob a bank in the next six months, he'll likely get his green card. Uh, but that won't change where he's at now. His status of where he's at now allows him as much freedom as the green card would. It's still a matter of whether uh, wherever you apply for a visa, you know, responds in an appropriate amount of time or appropriately, period. I mean, uh, in the UK, everything's fine. They just haven't approved it and gotten back to him. Uh, his his visit to the Spanish embassy was a little more contentious, and uh, and you know was you know I basic they basically told him listen you're Russian it's probably not going to be easy, uh, but um, but he did get that visa today so he's ready to roll. But he just as an American, uh, you know, as a green card holder in the future, would that make his process less difficult? No, Still, won't change it at all. Won't no. change it at all. Yeah. And for what I understand, um, for him on, on, on your side of the pond, he, he had to jump through all sorts of hoops just to find a place where he could go and apply for it. Because it's not just around every single corner that, 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 that he can go and apply for these things as well. I think there was right. one place in Chicago and one place in He New came York. to Chicago for the Spanish uh, consulate. He went to a place in, well, the UK, they don't have face to face interviews. So that's part of the problem is it's all just kind of done over the transom through emails and whatever, and you don't ever talk to anybody live. And so you're kind of at the mercy for how long it takes people to do something. So, and it's, it's probably different for, you know, all sorts of, uh, um, you know, different countries you would need a visa for. That's why, you know, you know, whether he ever plays for team USA or not, he will shoot for uh, a U.S. passport in the next five years sure. because then his visa issues go away. Then he just basically, travels. Right, basically, right, the green card application and all that is just so that he can get back into the U.S. easily, correct, correct? once he leaves. It's right. not really about having easier access to other countries or travel. He still it's, has to apply for all the proper It's freedom to return, yeah, as much as anything. Yeah, and it doesn't, right. it doesn't change his nationality. Right. I think, right. I mean, right. one, 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 one rumor that I saw on Facebook that I want to quash, I saw a few posts that Feder was not refused entry into the U.K., it just didn't come through. Correct. It just hasn't come. It's, he's still waiting on it. And he's it's still, still it's, it's the same thing that happened to. Are, there's some people that are throwing out the nationality. Yeah, no, 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 no. He's just not being allowed. Same thing that happened to Kachi a few like years that. ago uh, in 19 or, or no, in 21. In 21, right, yeah. Kachi missed the UK Open because they dragged their feet getting his application through. And Federer actually said that he applied last year before the war broke out. He had had an application into the UK for a visa for for that spring too. He said he got it. He got his he got a, a approval and his passport back seven months later. <laughs> Crazy, yeah, yeah. 
So, but anyways, I digress. So, 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 so we lose in this year. We lose Feder, the big matchup that everyone was looking forward to, SVB yeah. against Feder. We don't get to see that. So, Matchroom then reach out to v- Vietnam, and they get Duo Hawk, Hulk or Hulk or uh, I, I can't pronounce the name. Just Quack. I go with Quack. <laughs> All right. And then everything seems good, and then everyone's excited because oh, oh, SVB gets his chance of revenge because the last time, two times they've met, I believe uh, Shane's been done over by this guy, and uh, everyone's thinking, okay, that's that's got a bit of spice to it as well. How's Shane going to react? How's he going to react? And then we find out that his visa is not going to work for that event either because he <laughs> applied for a visa for the UK Open and it had a start date on it, and that start date doesn't fit with the dates of. Of this tournament so he overlooked that matchroom thought they had everything sorted out and then they find out oh no they don't so now they're going to go again and they've gone for two-time masters champion moscone cup uh, great and uh world uh um world cup of pool champion david Al-Qaeda, which i think is probably a, a an actual choice you know there's not going to be not going to be any travel issues any entry issues and he's he's won it a couple of times before, so you know why not? It had to be somebody close by, mainland Europe or UK. So, yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? Pick? Can I can I be the applying the ointment on this one? Go on, then. <laughs> the big deal this year was that that the Whirlpool Masters was merit based, mm-hmm. and Federer was in there because he was ranked in the top fourteen, right? Because mm-hmm. they had two wild cards, which they gave to Aranis and Zhang. So Federer doesn't go, and they jump down to number forty-nine for Quack. Who was number? Which, who, was, who was the next number fifteen then? Let we can look uh, at it. Then you could go to uh, Wojciech, followed by Oliver Solnaki. So uh, based on, based on merit, then it should be Wojciech that gets the next spot. Yeah. So so how yeah. did they? You know, for Quack, I almost kind of understood it because there really wasn't much Asian representation, right? But when you got when you said, okay, now we're too close to the start date, let's we got to grab a European that we know can get here. How did they go from fourteen to twenty nine? What's the what was the rationalization? And I have no, you know, listen, this is not an anti David Alcade thing at all. I love David Alcade; he's won it twice, but that's not supposed to get you in. It's supposed to be merit based, whatever. So. What was the rationalization for uh, jumping over Conrad, Wojciech, Oliver, you know, John Mora, Dennis Grabe, whatever? What was what was the rationalization? That's what I I would just be interested to know because someone had to make the decision, right? I have no answer to that unless unless there's something written down in the selection process that a withdrawal is then a wild card. Yeah, I would imagine it is. I would, yeah. yeah, sure. It's, at that point, it's well, my, withdrawal, it's my quality, a, withdrawal, yeah. a withdrawal is automatically a wild card. Uh, right. So, yeah, maybe, yeah. Why do I feel like we're in the principal's office and Mike is the principal? <laughs> What's that? I feel like we're in the principal's office right now and Mike is the principal. Well, yeah. so I know how these conversations go because I spent my entire childhood in the principal's office. <laughs> well, this feels like retaliatory. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a valid point, too. Like, if, if a spot opens up based on merit then yeah you should just go down the i can't imagine that wojcic had like some kind of like oh i got i got eight ball well, and it's, even if you weren't going merit if it, if it is becomes a wild card then what was the rationalization what was to just you know what, what was well, your the mind, rational what was your mindset the rationalization on on on, on al-qaeda i can understand more than the rationalization on Quok. yes 
I agree. Yeah, with that. I, I would I would go with that. Uh, aside from like I said, you know, maybe getting another Asian in there. Although Chang was ranked a hell of a lot higher than Kwok. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how the decisions are made. I just always wonder, I'm just always curious as to, you know, when you were sitting in the room with all these names in front of you, how did you pick this one over those? Yeah. And who yeah. knows, maybe, maybe at a certain point, they're just like, well, we need to finalize this stuff and push go on some yeah. of this marketing stuff. And David might've just been an easy, Hey, can, yeah. can you make it? You know, yeah, he's you know, just, he's got a great reputation. He you know he does well on the national stage. He's done all yeah, that. Yeah, he's you a know, past I get, champion. I get that part of it, but you know, at some point, the uh, um, you know the that merit part of it, where if you're voice checking, you're like, wait a second, guys, I'm right here. I'm only yeah. in Poland. I'm you know I'm not that far. I can get to the UK. Uh, you start to wonder, you know, and especially because the Polish guys have this is where you kind of hope to get good roles in the sense that opportunities come up you've put they've by and large the all six seven of them that are you know super relevant right now yeah um, have put themselves in a position to be available for opportunities like this so right. it's hard to say that they're not you know and then Wojciech and and Victor and you know all these guys that are really kind of faking a lot of cages and making deep runs and a lot of these events you know the yeah. I, I think eventually they're going to get the call for a lot of these things and it won't be, be just that i'm sure that's what they thought yeah yeah uh chris chris alexander's on here uh, on the chat he's not with us today but he's on the chat saying that they probably got a list of reserves you would imagine that they should really have a list of reserves but these people should be then aware that they are the number one pick the number two pick the number three pick should people fall out and yeah, the vietnamese but the, the vietnamese guy would not be on that list because if he'd been told this weeks ago then he would have already have figured out that his visa is not good for it because he'd have done a check. Sure. You yeah. know, so yeah. he wouldn't have been the first choice unless it was a last minute pick, you know? So, I mean, it would be a good idea of them that they do end up having some dropouts uh, with, with travel issues to already say, okay, you're number one, you're number two, you're number three. Are you able to come? Okay. You'll get the call if necessary, be ready, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, it doesn't sound to yes. me like this is something that has been pre arranged as you're the number one pick, you're the number two pick because yeah, especially in these international in these in these invitationals where it's only 16 players, 17 yeah. players, it's not hard to put that together. It's different with a 256 player open field yeah. and you start looking at alternates. But but for 16 players where it's kind of you know you're looking at the top pros, uh yeah, that's uh and, uh, and I think for the international players, uh, especially the non-European ones, stuff like that would make if it went strictly by the rankings, the world rankings, then it would make it would add credibility to going to these international ranking points, these Euro tour events, whatever. Oh, yeah. It would get them higher up in the spot. And then if case something like this happens, they would get the call. That's that kind of thing. Theoretically, that's why they're playing in all these points events, right? Yeah. To get these, to get these, to get these invites. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's interesting yep. conversation. Okay. So, so we know who the 16 are. Yep. I'll pull them up here. Let's see the draw and we'll go through them match by match and we'll see, see if we can agree on any of these. Who's going to go through? Okay, so we've got first match, Joshua Filler against Niels Fyen. I'm just going to go from left, right, top, bottom. Raymond, Filler against Fyen. I mean, your your knee-jerk reaction is going to say, especially looking at the, the draw as a whole, that Filler is favored to come out of that top half. Uh, Niels has been playing really great uh, the last few months. Uh I think he had a great win against uh, Sanjin in the finals of an event recently. And Sanjin was like revelatory the last the first three or four days of the PLP event. 
uh, also kind of making like a lot of headway. And the fact that Niels beat him after Sanjin has showed in a lot of form recently also uh, makes him extremely dangerous. It's one of these kind of like, you know, how does the match go? I think Filler has the gunpowder, like like the firepower to basically blow anybody off the table. That's kind of how he likes to play. But we've also seen Filler lose vulnerable and look vulnerable in matches where matches start getting into a more tactical kind of uh, game. Now, Alex has beaten him several times in the matchroom setting on tables like this. And I think uh, Niels has the class and discipline to if he gets his hooks in to beat anybody on that in that bracket so i'd probably say you know filler is like a 65 45 favorite but it wouldn't surprise me if Niels gets control and and you know does what Niels has done for 20 years you know which is play high caliber rotation and if he keeps trending up this is a good opportunity for him to maybe you know really really shake up the the top half of the bracket uh, and steal a win against World Fargo number one. Okay. All right. Just before I switch to Lonnie, let's get the let's get the, the 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 viewers involved in this. We're watching this on Facebook as well. If you think Filler's going to win it, hit the heart. If you think Niels is going to win, then hit the thumbs up for hearts for Filler. Thumbs thumbs up for uh, Niels, and we'll see what you all think about it. Lonnie, what do you think about that matchup? Wow. Uh, so. I think Filler's been, um, I would guess, he's he's a pretty determined guy. I've met him a few times, and uh, he's very passionate. I don't think that he's pleased. I think that's why he's kind of disappeared a little bit and went back. I think he's in, I think him and P are off training and really focused. I, I pick Filler. Um, I think he has, uh, in his mind, whether or not to us, but I think in his mind, these last couple events that he's played, that he's not played so stellar, um, are going to, I think that's a big deal to him. So is, is um, Rebo filler optimized? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, is right. Rebo <laughs> filler optimized. Yeah. Optimized. So I actually think filler is going to make a good push in this event. Mike. Yeah. I just, I I'm with Raymond on this as far as, you know, it's, it's a tricky match for filler to start with. Cause I, you know, I look at him to me as my favorite, because I like the side of the bracket he's win for one. Um, he's my favorite to win. But this is a it's kind of a not a trap game, but it's 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 pretty close because Niels is, you know, 42, 43, but Niels can still play. Niels has won on this stage. He's won on this stage relatively recently, really. Um, and and he's certainly not gonna be intimidated. He's not gonna no matter what Schiller throws at him at the start. You know, Niels is a, you're going to have to earn a win against Niels. So, um, Plus he has know, much better bone structure, much, much better. better bone structure for sure. Philip's <laughs> 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 never going to look that good when he's out of I have to grow a red dot line like Niels. He's, yeah. He's, he's sculpted. Yeah. No, he's, he's yeah. just such a great solid player and such a competitor and, and has such heart. Uh, so this is a dangerous match for filler. Um, you know, if he gets through this match, I like him, you know, to get to the finals. But this is, if I look ahead at the, the two or three matches he could have to get to the finals, this is the one where I think that would be the slipperiest slope. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, I think that, you know, that when you go to a tournament like this and you know it's single elimination, the first round is you just want to get through that first round. So that's where the players might be a little bit nervy, you know? Yeah. 
And that's that 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 that's where the slip ups can happen. That's where you know you just don't want to lose in the first round. You don't want to go all the way to this tournament losing the first round. You know, so it's, we we've seen it in the past. We've seen some nervy performances in the first round, and then people once they get into the tournament, then they start to show their their, their true capabilities. So I agree. Is this is I mean, filler. You've got to put filler down as 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 favorite for this. But what you know, in a race two, what is it? Race two. Nine, nine for the to, first two nine for the yeah. first two rounds, then eleven, then thirteen. In a race to nine with, with in a race to nine with the top sixteen or fourteen plus two or thirteen yeah. plus three uh, players, how big a favorite is any favorite in a race to nine? You know, it's yeah. it's it's small margins. Niels can Niels Niels is in a good place at the moment. He's just had a new table put in in his house. You know, he's all motivated. He's got his videos going. He's showing his table in there, and he's it's all brand new equipment. And he'll be on there. He'll be hitting it hard. He'll yeah. be hitting it hard the last few days. And uh, he's one of these guys that you know. There's a lot of guys through there. Again, you go into the first round, and you draw filler. They think, oh, Niels is like, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves that kind of stuff. You know, he'll go out there and he won't. And he not only that, in the like, first round. You know, Niels has shown good form the last two or three months. So it's not like he's just kind of coming out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, no. He's, he's happy where his game is. He he's trending upwards. And somebody like him who sets himself on a goal, he's spoken publicly about multiple times about wanting to make and qualify for the Moscone Cup. This is something he's relishing 100% the opportunity to play filler because it would yeah. be a major, major statement for him. You know, even though he has nothing to prove, it's a big like, Hi, still here, you know. Yeah, still here, still hitting balls. <laughs> kind of like a declaration for him, like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm still a valid uh, option here for for Team Europe, and he has the most MVPs, I think, as well. Uh, yeah, Team Europe yeah. In, in history, so he he has the pedigree to back it up. So yeah, and it's interesting. Jimmy said, you know, what are the chances? You know, what would people say to chance that Neil's beating filler? According to the bookmakers. It's twelve. According to the bookmakers, it's twelve to one. <laughs> you know what? I'll 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 pull up the odds when, when we talk about when we're finished with every match up here. We'll talk about who we think our tournament favorites are. Then I'll pull the bookmakers' prices up, and we'll explain why it's completely ridiculous what the bookmakers have. It's like it's like it's like they've asked somebody in the office, "Have you ever watched pool before?" And they say, "Oh, I've played down the pub one time when I was drunk." Right? Can you put down the odds for what you think yeah, this tournament's going to be? He's not as good as him. Okay, twelve to one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They don't understand the comment. So I think it's we're, like we're, crazy we're, numbers. Yeah, stupid numbers. So, so we think we we think Phil our favorite here. Phil is going to go through yeah. in that match. I'm personally, I'm hoping for Niels. I'll be back in Niels and support mm -hmm. Niels in this one. But I think we've got to agree that Phil is a, a bit of a favorite in this one at the moment. Yeah, defending champion. Yeah, we happy with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, who's next? Who's next? Next, we've got Max Lechner against Mohamed Sufi. We want the public The public get hearts for Max Lechner, and they get thumbs up for Sufi. Uh, filler won uh, from the public vote on the, on the first one as well. So Max is your hearts. Mohamed Sufi, your thumbs up. Back to Raymond, what do you think? Um, you know, I haven't interacted much with either uh, guy. Max, I've seen around. I haven't seen Sufi around. I think people are maybe hoping for a Sufi filler round two, uh, just as a like a major fireworks thing. Max had a pretty like two or three years ago had a had a pretty like strong curve, and he. I mean, he had the U.S. Open as well. He got to the the finals recently, so he's. Yeah, that was last year. Yeah, almost yeah. made Moscone Cup. 
Yeah, that was that match uh, was kind of brutal. If he wins that match and he makes a team, if not, then right. not the team. So very consequential stuff. I think he's he's on the cusp, you know, of doing something uh, big and kind of cementing himself outside of this like second tier of European guys that are really working hard to try and make it. Um, he probably has way more experience than Sufi does with this break. I think that gives him a big advantage. Uh, I kind of lean towards Max uh, a little bit just because of all those kind of things. Uh, and he's very close with Mario He and with um, and with Albin. Guys. So, uh, he's got the class and the technique, I think. He's just got to put it together for a few matches and make a run of it. But um, I, I think it's kind of you want maybe – it would be fun to see Sufi if – you know, Sufi and Filler both advance to see that match could be interesting. Um, but the texture of the matches up, you know, they all change depending on who advances and who, you know, so we don't want to presume one way or another, but uh, it'll be an exciting match. I kind of, I kind of like, it's weird because I think Max has the, the, the skills, like the individual tools, but I think maybe Sufi's had higher form more recently. So it feels like maybe he's got a, a hair more momentum, even though Max did well at the U.S. Open. I haven't really heard much of him since. And Sufi's had kind of like a a spark. You know, he's yeah. kind of like a new guy on the field, and he's very dynamic to watch. So I think it's a matchup thing, too, that benefits kind of both guys. Like if I'm a more methodical player, I want to play somebody like Sufi because if I get my hooks in, then I know that I can control tempo, and that makes it hard for those guys to kind of build rhythm. Uh, but also, if you're a rhythm guy like Sufi, and you get going, you can blow anybody away. Which is kind of like it's kind of like who who gets control first, you know? Makes that happen. Lonnie. All right. So I um, wow, two completely different players right there, right? Uh, Max Lechner, super paced. He carries a, the same pace around the table all the time. Very composed. Um, very smooth and melodic. And then you've got Sufi, who just is just a ball of energy around the table. Um, I So like as a player and as someone who is also big on fundamentals and rhythm and around the table, I, I obviously I like Max Lechner, but I really for the fan in me, I want to see Sufi win so that we can get some Sufi filler action like. I'm kind of, I mean, I want somebody to like shot clock that match and see how long it takes if they match up, like it could be the fastest match ever. Um, but uh, so like personally as a player, I think Max has time in, he's seasoned. Um, I think that he surrounds himself with the right players. And as long as he keeps his pace and it doesn't allow Sufi and some of that stuff to get in between his ears, I think that Max definitely could win this match. But uh, the fan in me wants Sufi to win. Mike? Um, I like Sufi in this match straight up. I don't know. I just, I just like the the energy that he brings when he plays, his kind of devil-may-care type of attitude. Um, you know, and he's – I'm sure they've played each other plenty, you know, Euro Tour. Um, and uh, – German Bundesliga. And so Sophie, you know, obviously he um, uh, he's done well on a matchroom stage. He's shown that television in a single table doesn't bother him. Uh, conversely, you know, a year and a half ago, Max was kind of the flavor of the day. 
and finally got himself onto a matchroom stage for the PLP or whatever I think it was or whatever it was and was a disaster. Um, and, and, you know, he had that big run at the U.S. Open and almost made Moscone Cup last year, but still I didn't feel like I, I saw him a lot last year. I don't know, other than the U.S. Open, you know, he was really close to making Moscone Cup, but I, I don't remember how, uh, to be honest with you. So, um, I don't know. I just, I just like Sufi coming into this match and just, and just doing what he does, which is have fun. And, uh, and Max will know that he can't make any mistakes because Sufi will just like go blazing around the table and it'll be three match, you know, three racks will be through before Max gets back to his seat. So, uh, <laughs> and you know, the idea of Max play of, of Sufi playing filler is, is tasty too, because like, that's one of the matches where if they're starting at three o'clock, you better be tuned in at two fifty nine because it might not be. It might be over at three ten. That's the kind of match where you could yeah. set the limit, like like a chess clock. You know, we right. you both have five minutes total time to play a race to nine, and then <laughs> the table, they just start the clock, and then once they shoot, you know, yeah, the yeah. Other, they, yeah. You know, ticks down. Yeah. So no, I, I just I, I like I like Sufi in this match. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like Max. I think Max is a. Uh, uh, I'm very much. My, my 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 thought process for, for these kind of things is experience and i just i sufi, sufi had a great world championships but until he shows consistency and is able to to back that up with something else you know i mean the very next day or the or two days later he went and played a money match against robbie capito and robbie capito did him in playing exactly the same rules nine ball show you know i'm not uh, i knew sufi before he did what he did you know, so I still see that guy as the player that I know, Muhammad Sufi. He's still a great, great, great player, but not somebody who plays on a Masters stage, top 16 in the world, you know. Whether he's now just, a, a, a switch has gone, like a switch went with uh, Sanchez Ruiz and he came from out of the pack and just became the, the top dog, whether or not Sufi has now made that big jump. For me, I just, I feel like he needs another couple of tournaments to, to, to show that. Um and I just feel that Max is Max is already there. He's already established. He knows the arena. He knows what he's supposed to do there. And I just feel like Max is a is a, a there's something in me that says I love to watch Sufi play, but if he just drops five percent, then he's going to look pretty average, you know, because you start missing those shots. Does he have a backup plan? Does he have a plan B? You know, he never. He doesn't seem to switch. He just keeps going for his shots all the time. But if you're missing them, yeah. you know, you know, it's a very risky game he plays. I think that um, I think I, I, Max is my man for that match. I think. And uh, but again, filler against Sufi. If Sufi is playing the same kind of pool as he played at the, the World Championships, who wouldn't want to watch that? You know. Yeah. Right. But I think I'm, I'm. I go Max on this one. The public, our public. The thumbs up exploded. They all want Sufi or they all think so. 100%. It was just the thumbs up just went whoosh and then like one heart in between. I think that was, that was probably if neat. Carl, if Carl's still on, he's like. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So we're, we're, we're kind of split on that one then, I guess. But we all agree We all agree that Sufi against Filler would be a great match to see. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. It'd be fun. Next one Fired up. up. Ma oh, the two mates, the two best friends, mm -hmm. Mario He and Alex Kazakis. So, our lovely public, if you want, if you think or want Mario He, then give us a heart. If you think Alex Kazakis, then give us a thumbs up. Hearts for Mario, thumbs up for Alex. What do we think on that one, then, Raymond? I like Mario. 
All right. That was fast. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> uh, I just I just love pandas. Pandas in general are my favorite. Oh. No, he's a sweet guy. Uh, sweet guy, killer player. I think he's due. You know what I mean? I really want him. To, I, I want to see him make the Moscone Cup after the situation that happened to him. Um, and um, he's been playing strong too. You know, just probably like just behind the top top guys uh, in yeah. Europe, I think. And he's just like borderline, like just waiting for the day to wake up where he's like, "Oh, I'm the man now," and he just you know starts playing and dominating. So, yeah, I like I like Mario uh, in, in that matchup. I I actually um so I like Mario in this matchup simply because I feel like Alex is kind of a slow starter. Like when I watch him in early rounds of other events, I feel like he doesn't. It's almost like something terrible has got to happen to Alex to either trigger him into greatness, or or he just falls off and disappears, and I don't know where he goes. But um, I like I like Mario in this match because I think he's probably going to start better than Alex, but I don't necessarily know that I think that in the long run that that would, that, uh, that Alex isn't supposed to win this match, but I definitely, um, I like Mario coming out strong early. Okay. Mike. Yeah. I, I don't know where to go with this one. To be honest with I know you. it's weird. I, mean, I didn't. Mario know. is, you know, you, I, my heart would t tell me, or my head would tell me, you know, Mario, uh, but you know, uh, and he does, he has started fast. A lot of events I've watched, uh, but Alex, you know, he's fine. He's played well enough to reach the finals of this event twice and mm -hmm. win it once. Um, and which is something Mario still hasn't done. Now, Grant, this is a first round match. It's not the finals. He doesn't have to get three, three wins to get there, but um, you know, it, it's, I think this one's really a toss up. I mean, I think I would probably take Mario, but this flip. is just a, a total coin flip. Um, and you know, the other thing going against Mario is if he wins, he probably plays Albin. That's not that's not good for Mario either. <laughs> oh, it's good. Didn't didn't he beat Albin in the in a semifinal or something like that recently? No. He should. He would have. He would if it was a race to eleven, but it was a race yeah. to thirteen. He couldn't get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, Mario has a great gear. Has a really high gear. Uh, it just something always seems to trip them up. Um, I, I, I think it's a coin flip. I, I, if I had to, if I had to choose one, I'd go with Mario just because yeah. I think he's going to win win a big event soon. I think he's due one. So why 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 can't it be this one? You know, I, I just sure. um, and he plays well at this event. He does, but so does Kazakis. Like Mike said, he's yeah. he's been other than one other than one shot that he probably will regret for the rest of his life. He'd have won two of these, you know. Um, yeah. so, that uh, horrid nine ball. He, he, yeah, he it wasn't even the nine ball. It wasn't the nine ball. Problems. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't the nine ball. Was the issue, but um, he uh, he's won it and, and and winning an event that you you can't replace that experience. Yeah. You know that sets you up nicely for any time you go back there. You know. Um, but I don't, I know, I just, I get, yeah, like coin flip. I don't actually care which one wins. I like them both. Uh, you know, they're both good guys. Um, uh, but I probably, I probably just give Mario the edge because just because I think he's due one. Yeah. Yeah. 
the public, the public, it was difficult for me to catch that one. There was a lot of hearts and a lot of thumbs up. So we're going to call that one a draw from the public. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. there's probably moments where you had to count. There was no way that was it. There's no way I was counting that. They all flew out at the same time. It's like, that looks... it was 23 to 22. <laughs> yeah, no, I ain't counting all that. Right. Well, we so, were no. coin flip about it. We couldn't even no. make, like, well, yeah. Like, that's a hard pick. That's kind of uh, the middle of the. It's one of those of you can you ranking, can you can, you, have your, you can have your favorite on it, but nobody's going to be surprised if the other one wins. Yeah, you know. Right. Another one that's probably nobody be surprised if the other one wins. Albin against Catchy. So, Albin, your hearts. Catchy, your thumbs up in the public. If you think it's going to be Albin, give us a heart. If you think it's going to be Catchy, give us a thumbs up. Raymond, over to you. I like Catchy. I think um, Albin obviously does well in everything he plays in, but I feel like Kachi has shown some really, really strong form the few times we've seen him recently. And I just like his, like when he gets going, he's just like a, uh, he's like a, like a, like a ship tanker, you know, like a giant cargo ship, like in the ocean, just like, just, he's just, just going to come slow, methodical and just not make mistakes and just, uh, you know, very Buddy Hall-esque, I think, for me, um, with obviously a little bit different uh, stylistic stuff with his background, but his his break is super dangerous. I remember watching the U.S. Open, and on the last day, he was probably the most effective hard break that I watched, and he blew filler straight out of the water. I mean, he just tortured filler um, in the single elimination stage, and I think he's got he's got a beautiful all-around game, so... Um, neck tattoo aside, you know, I don't blame him for that. You know, we all make a mistake. <laughs> I mean, the guy's just a jam up player and he's young and maybe my, you know, I bet you, I bet you don't say that to his face. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him to his face. I mean, he might, I don't care if he gets upset. I have a <laughs> I'll take my you can outrun him. tattoo. Oh, you can, outrun him. you can outrun him now. Definitely. I don't think he's been at the gym for a while. Yeah. Well, no, he, yeah. yeah. I'm not worried about all that, but, um, He's a yeah. I think he's a great player, and I think he's got uh, the poise to kind of like really hang with anybody. I don't really think he cares. I think he views it as an opportunity to to win a couple matches if he gets by Albin. With considering the top the top part of the draw, he'd much rather have to swim through that and only have to win you know let's say two rounds of super triple tough you know tier one players instead of every round down down in the bottom half. So I think he'll he'll kind of view it as a chance to get to the semifinals or finals right away, you know, if he can if he can snap off that that match against Albin. Um, so yeah. Lonnie, I don't know on this one. I'm stuck <laughs> on this one. I don't know because I like them both. I think Kachi has a better break. Um, I think Albin has a lot of experience and he hasn't had a good showing the last couple of events. And that's uncharacteristic for him. Um, I think Alvin. So I I don't know. Um, okay, I'll just say Alvin. <laughs> I don't know on this one. <laughs> Mike. Like, I really gonna, don't know. I'm gonna say Alvin too. Um I like Alvin in this in this tournament, this this you know, arena, this format. Uh, this where he really seems to shine. It's nine ball, not 10 ball. I like Kachi a lot more in 10 ball. Um, uh, and I think Alvin, 
you know, has his safety game has gotten to the point now where he can he can hang with Kachi in that type of game pretty well. Um, so I don't know. I, I just uh, I think this is this is where we usually see Alvin become Alvin and find a way to win matches. Um, so I'm going to go with Alvin here. Yeah, and kind of the same as Mike. I think that single table match from Arena it's very difficult to bet against Alvin against anybody based on the the. the the, the, the career that he's had in that environment. Uh, he's never let anybody down at Moscone Cup. He's always performed well in that environment. But again, if 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 I wake up in the morning and catch he's beating him 9-4, it's not going to be any big surprise to me either. Yeah, sure, yeah. of course. Um, I'm wake up, pal. Uh? What time are you going to wake up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your time, isn't it? We, we can say that. You can't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah here. Maybe not even us. I, I mean, I'm all right. If I come home, if I come home from work and I find out that that's fair, beating nine four, then then it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, I don't know about Albin's form at the moment. I don't. It's 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 difficult. You judge him based on Albin esque form. You know, it doesn't mean he's playing badly. It doesn't mean he's in a dip. You know, it's just maybe just not getting the results. Um, I expect him to be ready. I expect him to perform well, and uh, I think it'll be a great match. It's one of the ones that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, I'd, say, I'd say the last probably four years before, you know, the last two years, he's probably the most consistent European overall. I think now you probably give that to Feder, um, Feder and um, Sanchez, yeah. Sanchez, just because, you know, how much. But overall game, I think he's been the most like steady. Sanchez, I feel like maybe just has a slightly higher gear overall uh, and has kind of. Filler, I would say the same, has a higher gear than an Albin, but Albin doesn't waver too much, I don't think, from his hmm. level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas those guys might crest really high up, you know what I mean, and have moments where they're just like, but he's just like, he stays really steady. So he's really tough to beat in these events. You know? I, I, I call it your, your, your A game and your B game. You know, you yeah. get some players, their A is here, their B is here. Albin's there. He's yeah. A and he's B. And he's always he's always in that area, you know. Whereas others may be slightly above with their A, but they're way below with their B, you know. And that's, you know, that's why that's why he's so good in tournament play. You know, he can have a, a day that's perhaps not great, but it's still good enough to get through the rounds, you know. And then he, he grows into the tournament and just becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, um, yeah, I like Albin. Um, well, Kachi has a height advantage, so there's that, and much more facial hair. Yeah, much more facial. Which, which is something you appreciate, obviously. Uh, and the public, we didn't get a lot of votes on that one, but it did look like Albin won slightly more of them. So there's either a lot of people who didn't know what to vote or they've just had enough of this whole voting thing now. <laughs> yeah. you know. well, we're an hour and a half. Well, we may have lost a couple we're, of people. We're halfway through, so we'll find, well, we'll find out exactly how much they, they enjoy voting or not because now we've got match number five, Shane Van Boning, not against Feder. Not against anyone from Vietnam, but against two-time Masters champion David Alcady. Is it even is it even worth me asking you three who you think is going to win that? Hearts, hearts for Shane. <laughs> well, yeah, hearts hearts for, for, sorry, yeah, yeah. People, people in the chat or people on Facebook, Come hearts on. for Shane and thumbs up for Alcady. Hearts for Shane, thumbs up for Alcady. I'll see put a thumbs up for David just so that he gets a vote. Oh no! <laughs> I'm telling Shane. Well, uh, at the moment, it's one nil to Shane. Oh no, here they come now. They're all popping out. <laughs> oh god, are we getting a thumbs up? There you go. We got one thumbs up. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm from America, so I might be biased. You know, Shane's won it twice. Uh, 
David's won it as well, right? Twice. And, uh, twice yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, it's going to be a battle of past champions. I love David's game overall. He's got a very balanced game, and uh, plays both sides of you know the offensive and defensive stuff. He's got a ton of heart. Um, you got to love that, Shane. Um, Shane has that overwhelming factor. He can really smother you if he gets in and kind of gets going with the break. And winter breaks, it's hard to really bet against Shane. And the longer this tournament goes, winter breaks, and the, the matches kind of go longer, I think you, you get a little bit more of that advantage way out. So, uh, and he's put in time. Like, he just played three big money matches in the Philippines um, in preparation for London. So he's obviously taking it very seriously and he's engaged. And this is kind of like where Shane feels safe, right? His, his identity is anchored to the winter break, uh, rotation kind of stuff. So I look, I kind of look when Shane is looked on in this tournament, he's kind of dominated, you know? So, um, I kind of hope to see him do more of that. It would be great if it's a, you know, close match, tough match. Uh, David is no spring chicken, obviously. And um, so it just kind of depends on how the match goes. But, you know, if Shane can get the break working and keep control with that, then he's hard to beat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we all know I'm an SVB. I'm an SVB girl all the way. Um, of course, I, I I want Shane to win. Um, Katie makes me nervous. He's very seasoned. He's uh, won this event before. As a matter of fact, I think Katie might have been who knocked Shane out a couple years ago, um, if I remember correctly. And so I think he's dangerous for Shane, and um, he has the ability to come with the big moments. So um, I, I, of course, I want. I always pick Shane. But um, anyway, um, you guys do your voting. I'm so sorry. I have to go to my salon. So I, this took longer <laughs> than it was supposed to take today. So, so really quickly, tell us who you like in the last three matches. Yeah, let's go. Okay, um, who'd you like? All right. Who'd okay, you, show who'd me. Jason. Who'd you, like, who'd you like Jason against Cole? Uh, I like Jason if he does what he did in the, the that last matchroom event where he changed his break and – was shooting the balls a little differently. Um, I like so, Jason. So there. what you're saying is you like Jason if he wins. <laughs> is that what well, you're saying? No, he changed. I know you guys know this. Yeah, he, he did changed change the things. That's right. As well. yeah. And I and I feel like I think it, it's made a difference for him. Um uh and I like I like Zelensky and, and of course I'm gonna go with FSR. So um yeah, those are my people. Cool. Okay. So, Lonnie, thanks you for guys, joining us. Sorry it yeah, took so long. You're finish it. <laughs> I didn't really have anything else to do until just now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thanks for having me, guys. Nate, I'll see you soon. Um, you guys have a great rest of your chat. Thanks. You bye bye. Okay. We really we really downgraded. <laughs> I know we've, we've had to replace the lovely Lonnie yeah. with Nate. The good look part of. The good looks Fargo just dropped like 300 points. That's it. Uh, uh, yeah. Our, uh, our average. We went, we went, we went, we went for scoring sound. <laughs> All right. So I will be taking over the. Uh, you know, dang it. Oh, guys, I've got you covered. Nate put me in charge. <laughs> I don't like Oh, What did I give Jim control of this for today? Dang it. Okay, Mike, who'd you like then in that, in that match with Shane then? Uh, 
I like Shane against David. I mean, I you know I think Shane does like this event. I think he's he has been playing hard. I think he's ready to go in there and and do some damage. So um, and and like Brandon said, you know, if he gets that kind of role going at the beginning, he's a very intimidating player. He can just you know uh, steamroll you with, and you don't really have much of a chance. So um, you know, obviously in this entire field, anyone can win any of these matches. But you know, so David could win this, and I wouldn't be it wouldn't be you know, shock the world. Uh, but I, I like Shane here. Okay, um, it's a tough one for me. I mean, Al Qaeda is going to be on cloud nine until twenty four hours ago. We didn't think he was even in the tournament. Now he's sure. got it. He's going to be bouncing. You know, he's going to be uh, he's going to be loving this opportunity. He doesn't care who he's playing against. Um, but you've, I mean, Shane's. Shane's coin flip at worst against anybody uh, in that arena, you know. Um, so I, I got to give it a Shane. And I kind of, I would really love to see Shane against Jason in the next round. Yeah, that's always. So a- for, 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 for that reason alone, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to go with Shane. Um, I feel like, uh, that, like you said, could go either way, but Shane, Shane's slight favorite for me, and I'd like to see that match up um, against uh, Jason. I think yeah. that would be uh, that'd be fireworks in the next round. Yeah. Okay, so I'm talking about Jason. Jason against Cole. What a match up that is as well. That's just yeah, that's, great that's, match. That's monster. That is a yeah, monster is. match. That's monster. Nate, we, we 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 don't really care about your opinion, but you're more than willing to give it. <laughs> He's gone. Raymond, we'll start, we'll start with you then. This whole bottom half of the, the, I mean, the whole bottom half of the draw is basically just very brutal. You know, uh, it could have been apex brutal. Feder was in, um, but um, you know, this match is kind of rough. I think. I mean, Cole's a world champion. You know, world nine ball champion. Jason hasn't done that. You can't discount him. He's just a beautiful player. I just finished watching. I think the match they played from the international open on AccuStats YouTube, and Jason won that um, with seemingly pretty handily. So it kind of just depends on how Jason is feeling and, you know, how he handles and shows up. But I'll, I'll just go with Jason um, for this match as my pick. But I think it's very, you know, the point that you can do you can go whichever, whichever way. But maybe Jason. Okay, I forgot to tell the public. Hearts for uh, Jason, thumbs up for Cole. Who do you think is going to win it? Hearts for Jason, thumbs up for Cole. Right, Mike. Um, I like Co. I, I think Co's, you know, he's, it took him a year or so after COVID, but I think he's, he's really starting to play really well again. Just won a tournament recently. Um, I like the way he's playing. I think he's a solid player. And you got to be honest, uh, the matchroom stage hasn't been Jason's finest place aside from Moscone Cup. So um, uh, just, you know, I know it's really flimsy. Because they're they're both such great players, so you really got to find something to split hairs if you're going to pick one over the other. So yeah. on, on those flimsy technicalities, I'll pick Cole. Okay, just a, it was a landslide of hearts, by the way, on the uh, chat there. So <laughs> Jason, on this one, uh, Nate, what do you reckon? Cole, for everything that uh, Mike just said. I think oh was- Jesus, <laughs> boy! I feel all of a sudden I feel like I made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> the credibility of your opinion just went drastically downhill. Like, what the? 
the Mike hell was I thinking? And also just unsubscribe from Billy's Dice. <laughs> oh, come on. We need to start being nicer to Nate. <laughs> well, I hope Kelly didn't see that. Oh, sorry, Kelly. It was nothing personal. <laughs> I, did, right. I need to update mine anyways. I just got my Darren one in the mail yesterday, so I got to get that hung up now. Right. I, subs uh, I subscribed as well, so I'm expecting my first issue coming through the door at some stage. a boy. Keep those cards and letters coming. Everybody should be uh, everybody should be subscribed to Billard's Digest. Uh, no, I, I think uh, Jason has come up short, especially in this tournament. Um, this one specifically. Uh, for when was the last time you remember Jason making a run in this tournament? Now that doesn't necessarily mean that Cole's going to do anything. Uh, and Jason obviously has the firepower to snap off one of these things whenever he wants, basically whenever he wants to. Uh, and he did, you know, have a runner-up finish at Super Billiards Expo. Uh, he said he made some changes. He feels better about his game. But I still just feel like Co is hitting his stride right now and kind of getting back where he was before COVID. And uh, I think that I think that Co is one of the favorites in this field. It, it's less about Jason and more about Co from where I'm at. All right, uh, I'm going with Jason. Just but, yeah, what, what yeah, did well, you expect? It's like <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, no, no, I, I mean, <laughs> no. But one of the thing, one one of the things that the 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 just said there, you know, this is a, this is an event that Jason can snap off. He's got the firepower to do that whenever he wants to. And I'm just going to assume that he does want to, and that he's going to come there and he's going to be fired up and he's going to play well. Um, and uh, Cole's not a good draw for him in the first round. Don't think he's got. You know, it's not the guy you want. I agree. Cole is one of the top guys. I mean, this, the, this, if this was the final of the tournament, you would not be surprised. No, you know? great. Be um, great. so it's it's not the best draw that Jason could have got, but I think it's maybe something that will wake him up. You know, we say he hasn't. You, you say that he hasn't really performed great in the Masters before. He knows going into this match, he's going to have to perform well if he wants to win this one. Um, so um, I'm expecting him to do exactly that. So I'm going to go with Jason. And it was a landslide of hearts, so the public think Jason as well. So you all know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go to the next one. Uh, oh, can, I, can I go back to Shane since I uh, my, my computer crashed and I had to restart? I uh, want to get my opinion on the last one. David wins. All right, there you go. You gave your opinion. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Victor against Zheng. Now, a lot of people might not have heard about this Zheng kid, but at one stage he had the highest Fargo ever recorded. And then, obviously, through more matches, it started to stabilize a little bit. But this guy can play. So I'll be interested to hear what you guys say, Raymond. I haven't seen much of uh, Zheng play, I don't think. But, you know, Victor is just a phenom and tremendously talented and one of the Polish guys I really look to kind of like stand out from the batch. Uh, over the next couple of years. I think he had a long stretch of kind of <clears throat> bridesmaid in a bunch of big events, and uh might be time for him to change that a little bit. So I'll go with Victor, Team Poland. And hopefully I can get a schnitzel sponsor out of it. But... <laughs> hey, we'd all like a schnitzel sponsor. That's what I'm Mike. That's right. <laughs> uh, Mike. Uh, yeah, like. I, yeah, I like Victor. I like Victor a lot uh, in this. I like him in this tournament. Um, you know, I think he's. This could be the type of event that 
that he could snap off and 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 turn another corner. I mean, he's won the Las Vegas Open a couple of times, things like that. But I think this is kind of one of those that he's really looking for to win on this matchroom stage. Uh, Zhang, I, I really don't know much about him. I, I read all this stuff about the Fargo thing and who how his record has been against certain players, and you know he's fared quite well. He's obviously talented, you know, accomplished young player, uh, but you know long way to go to play in a one table arena on TV in an atmosphere you're really not that familiar with. And uh, you're not going to have a lot of time to get your feet underneath you because Victor can run and hide from you in a hurry. So um, yeah, I just, I just think Victor's too much for him in this match. Okay. Nick. (laughs) We already know know. he's got a central sponsor for sure. (laughs) you're going for victor then am i correct mate team poland baby team poland (laughs) now i have this uh yeah i have all this room here now that i don't have anything hindering that uh that great spot there you go right prime real estate i'm gonna say that you know victor's the accomplished player in this he's the one that we all know he's the one that's you know he's been getting to finals he's waiting to snap off that big one but i there's always, always, always an event like this. There's a match that doesn't go the way that everyone thinks it's going to go. Yeah, I, sure. have a, I have a feeling this is going to be it. I think that this Zheng is the uh, Zheng is the is the, the the guy that's going to do the the almost like the low ho sum kind of thing the when he bursts the heartbreak, kid. the heartbreak kid, something like that. You know, the the the, the Chinese kid at the snooker just recently that got to the semi final, yeah. twenty year old. You know, see. You know, I just have a feeling that, you know, in a tournament like this, it's something that I want to happen. I like to see happen that these, you know, unknown uh, guys get to make a little bit of name for themselves. I just have a feeling for this kid that that, that, that could be the match where, where everyone goes, oh, oh, we didn't expect that. Because the rest of them are all coin flips where you think, if it goes the other way, if it goes this way, I think most people are going to be putting Victor as big favourite in this one. And I just feel that that's going to be the, that, that one could go the other way. Could be completely wrong. Could be a total washout, but... Uh, no, you're probably you're probably right. There's always in a match like this in the first yeah, round. Normally, there yeah. aren't that many one-sided already matches set up for this round. I like the next yes, one. Or it could, or, or <laughs> it, there's just something about this match. It could this could be the match that that Shen goes out to a seven-nil lead and loses on the hill or something. Yeah, like. It's yeah, got yeah. one of those. There's something in that match that I just think something's going to happen there. Yeah. So what was that? What was the highest Fargo rate ever recorded? What was his? He was up in the eight forties or something like that. I'm not well, sure what it was. Did you not see this, Jim? Oh, yeah. Oh, just... Yeah, but his was not P. His was actually... Well, P stands for professional. No, it doesn't. P stands for pillock. <laughs> Rats. <laughs> just saying, Jim. Shots I'm fired. just saying. Yeah. God, I'm just saying. Matches played three. <laughs> there was 22 on there. <laughs> Right, 22. Put, right, get rid of that. I'm putting this up. Right. FSR against James Aranis. Yeah, the guy that's been dominating everything and one of the wild cards. Raymond. I mean... Yeah, is it even a conversation? <laughs> until, until he doesn't, you just got to assume he's going to keep doing it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I will say it is a bummer. I mean, this is, this is one of the... Um, 
you know, we get to, uh, the big, the big name was Dennis, right? That got kicked out of the U S for the green or the overstaying his visa. I mean, that is like the well, one, one, that second, one second. Remembers. Can I just say hearts, hearts for FSR thumbs up for, we forgot to do it in the last one. Hearts for FSR thumbs up for Aranis. Hit it public. Go on, uh, I mean, and boosty, I think was the same way, right? We kind of know that these players were kind of booted out for overstaying their visas. Uh, I think honestly, the biggest person who lost out from that was Aranis, not from like a money perspective or anything like that, but James Aranis was really starting to come into his element, I feel like, and be like really getting close to breaking into that, not that top tier of players like the, you know, Shane and Jason and Joshua Filler, like that, but, you know, the really tapping into that second tier of the best players in the world. Uh, and then he kind of lost his ability to get into the U.S. And I feel like we really haven't heard of him since basically last year about when this happened about last year. We really haven't seen his name hardly at all. Uh, so we don't really know what he's been doing. We don't know what kind of form he's in. I mean, he might be he might be playing the best pool of his life and he might be like uh, taking a four or five year step back from it. It, it. I know that he got in as a wild card, but he truly comes in as somebody who is a wild card. Because if, if this match happened last year, uh, obviously last year was before FSR really started going on his tear. But I think if one calendar year ago, I think we would all be picking uh, James Aranis, or at least it'd be really close to a coin flip. And now it looks like a complete one-sided affair where nobody could even imagine taking Aranis unless you're on a complete flyer. This is one of the most interesting matches, in my opinion, for what's going to happen, just because we don't actually see what James Aranis has been doing in the last year. With that being said, I'll take FSR. I'll take the flyer on Aranis. I mean, I, I like what you said before, Jim, about, you know, there's always somebody in the first round who you never see it coming. And, uh, you know, James Aranis has the talent where he really wouldn't be sneaking up on someone, but no one's heard of him or seen him for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, FSR uh, doesn't lose much, you know, uh, but he's had a couple tournaments where he's lost early in a tournament and then come back to reach the finals or whatever the case it is. Um and this is one of those things where if he lost here, it wouldn't be the end of his career. Not that he's going to take it lightly. I just think that this is a this is a good opportunity for Aranis to do something special. He's certainly got the talent to do it. And um, I'll just take a wild flyer here and say this is that first-round matchup you were talking about where someone gets blindsided. Fair point. Could happen. Uh, FSR knows what he's into there. He knows Aranis. He knows that, you know. Just because he's a wild card, he's still a top, top player and he can play proper, proper, sure. Player, you know, um, I, I just uh, like Raymond says, until he stops yeah. doing it, I would say he's gonna keep doing it, you know. And uh, yeah. I know we've had this conversation about the, the you know, the, the Moscone Cup and stuff like that, about FSR being in and Al Qaeda being introduced because that helps FSR. I think Al Qaeda getting this wild card as well. This, this next spot that's also going to be a boost for Al-Qaeda for, for FSR Al-Qaeda's bouncing around the FSR will be like that oh, brilliant my buddy's coming again when do you stop thinking that FSR needs somebody to hold I didn't hand? say he needed them mate you just don't listen <laughs> I didn't say he needed them I'm saying it just gives him that extra he's just he's just happier than he was before don't you, know you think Al-Qaeda was going to be there anyways sorry don't you think Al-Qaeda was going to be there anyways with him yeah. If, FS, uh, if FSR oh, yeah, needs somebody that's, that, that's, that's, that's a fair point. He might have traveled with him anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If FSR yeah. needs somebody to hold his hand that much, he would have paid David to go and paid him five million to go. Mate, have I ever said that? Yeah, pretty much last well, year at the Moscone. Pretty much. <laughs> you pretty much did. Yeah. Pretty much is not the same as yes. You said. 
I didn't say it. Just saying. I never have. <laughs> I'm saying that he's he's happier when he's there than when he's not there. I just don't understand. I just don't understand why this like friendship where like uh, FSR is only going to play his best because game you've never had a friend. friend probably. Probably. <laughs> we've we've never actually we've never in the history of pool looked at anybody else and said, well, Shane Van Boning would be a better player if Earl Strickland would have went and played, you know, sat courtside at all of his matches. And I, I also mean, didn't, and I only, also didn't only, only do we do this. And I also with didn't FSR and David Al-Qaeda. I, I don't also understand didn't say that either. I didn't say that. If you, if you're going to, if you're going to sit there and say, he doesn't care if he's there or not, then I'm going to tell you you're talking shit because I say obviously he's happier I, when he's there. I say it doesn't him being there, him being happier is going to have zero impact on whether or not he's going to be able to play any level of pool, good or bad. Fine. I go with FSR. Oh, on that you one. can't, you can't, it can't hurt. Exactly. Buddy I mean, I don't understand what, it doesn't I don't hurt. understand how you can think that it has, it has sure. zero effect. You know, I, I don't think David has to tuck him in at night. No, of course not. Know, and, Read them a they'll story. Go, they'll, they'll go out for dinner together in the evening. They'll do all those <laughs> things together, you know. If one gets through and the other one doesn't, the other one's there supporting and looking out and helping what, out. And stuff what like story that. do you think David reads to Francisco before bed, Nate? Uh, definitely. What do you think is his ham, favorite book? Yeah, Green Eggs and Ham, definitely. <laughs> in Spanish. It's, it's got to be something because, I mean, the only reason he's any good is because he has David al as a friend following him around. <laughs> I mean, he'd be a nobody without David al apparently. <laughs> Just like you'd be a nobody without me. <laughs> See that's that's, that's actually legit. true. That's actually true. That's legit. <laughs> that's actually true. <laughs> Look, he doesn't need he doesn't need them there, but he likes him to be there. Okay. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. You know. They've also got a lot of free time while they're there when they're not playing matches. You know what you do with your free time is just as important as what you do on the table. You know, and if you've got your best buddy with you and you go out and hang out and do your own thing, I can't wait life for is sightseeing good. photos of David and Francisco. That's better than seeing. It's better than seeing topless photos of David and Francisco and up in the eye. David and Francisco yeah. by the Tower of London. That's it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> David yeah. and Francisco shopping at Harrods. Sharing ice cream. That's fantastic. I you guys have obviously it. never had proper friends before. You I just don't understand. Text, I gotta text David. Tom, we need this. We need this photo series. We should get this. Sure. We, should, we should get. We should get in touch with them, and they should do a, a video or a, or a photo, <laughs> uh, uh, journal. You know, of the, of the... Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. They, 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 so, the, the friends music in the background. <laughs> so can we go around the room and say who who we think is going? Who's our pick to win? Raymond, who's winning this outright? Crap. Let me uh, pull up the bracket here. And see what's there you go. I got. It. I've got. It. You should be able to see it on the front of your screen, though. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Who do I like to win? Uh, Fedor. I like Fedor. Oh wait. <laughs> um, I see what you did there. Yeah. Shane um, Boney did get lucky. That that was uh that was you know I don't know if I have a uh, I'm not even gonna watch it because it's like three hundred dollars to watch it on Dragon or whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd say, man, who do you want? Can I pick a dark horse and a and and a yes. favorite? Yeah, your favorite, your favorite, who you want to win and who you think will win. Who I want to win. Ugh. I want I want to win it. Let me get in there one time. <laughs> I, got a, I got a passport. No, uh, I I think off the the bottom of the bracket, I want to say I can't, it's weird because it's like this bottom bracket is so loaded. Yeah, it's brutal. It it is really brutal. I. Man. You want to go? You want to go second or third to think about it for a second? 
I, you know what? I want Victor to win. Let's just say I want Victor to win, Zelensky. And then my dark horse, I would pick, uh, I would probably pick uh, Mario He. Wow. Good picks. Yeah. Mike? Um, I'm, I'm, who I think is going to win is Josh because I like his side of the bracket. I like him getting to the finals. Um, and uh, But who I would really love to see win, who I think has got a good shot, is Victor. That would be my that would be my hope. I'd love to see Victor win this. Nate, uh, Nate, it's hard to pick anybody as a dark horse in this field, right? I mean, unless you want to take the uh, the the twenty year old, um, just because we've never seen him really. Uh, I mean, if, if I'm going to pick a dark horse, I guess my dark horse is going to end up being. Uh, it's, it's hard to say Mario. He's ever going to be a dark horse, but I think he has a real chance of winning it. But I like hoping it. I think he's hitting a stride at the right time. Yeah. Interesting picks. Where are you going, Jim? Jason Shaw. No, 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 no. Um. Oh, I think I, I personally, I think who I think is going to win it. Yep. Pull it up again. I think that Mario He's going to win it. Wow. That's three out of four of us. Either and of us I'm, dark but I'm going to, but I got to go with my man Jay. If he, okay. if Jason shows up, Jason Shaw. But I think, I think Mario Hay. I think he's, I think it's his time. I think he's ready. It'll be fun. Yep. Be fun so, we, so we take a look at the odds and we can talk about how crazy they are, or do we even want to address this? Oh yeah, I think the odds would be a great one you to throw. That one, then, don't you? Nate? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, God. wrong one. So how we you, have we have an, a, we, yep, a sixteen a sixteen field single elimination pool tournament race to nine with the best sixteen in the world or best fourteen and two wild cards and there's a guy in there at sixty six to one three wild cards now I guess right yeah three wild yeah, cards the, the, the runner it's, up it's the not even the sixty six to ones that kill me it's when you get guys yeah. like like world champions like Cole Niels. Al, but you know, well, Cohen Neal's for sure because they're Atkins going off like less, before. Yeah. They're going off at twenty plus to one. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not not feeling feeling off hundred and putting it down on Cole, you know. Yeah, thirty-three to one for the guy that just got the recent world championship <laughs> titles. Yeah, well, he's got to win to win this thirty-three to one, so that he hasn't proven that. But I mean, you got these other guys, like I said, you know, can Copin Yi yeah. does he have the talent to win four matches against this field? Probably at twenty to one. Yeah, let me yeah. have some. Yeah, you can run it back twenty times. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, you yeah, can pick. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm, you're gonna make money out of that. Yeah. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking you wouldn't make a ton of money, but if you pick, if you, if you put a hundred on four on five players, or four players, yeah. and you picked the, the the bottom brackets loaded, so you pick three from the bottom bracket, one from the top bracket. You pick filler just to take the the favorite. Pick three of those twenty to one guys from the lower bracket. You got a pretty, you got a pretty damn good chance of making your five hundred bucks back, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think you should. I think if you just take five players from the top side, I mean, no, no matter what, whoever, whoever gets to the the finals out of that top side, let's say they're worst case scenario, they're forty five percent to win the match. Seems like you're going to have one of the if you're if you're picking four of the players in the top, it seems like you're going to have somebody in the finals. 50% of the time if not more. Well, you can you can you can guarantee yourself a semi-finalist at worst at 9 to 1 at worst. Yeah, right. If you right, if yeah. you take the bottom half from Jason down 
and you bet on all of them. Jason is the favourite in that in that bottom half, and he's nine to one. Yeah. So you, I, I I like Mario. He had fourteen you, to one. <laughs> you get you get and, a finalist. You get a finalist. You've, you're guaranteed a finalist at nine to one. Oh no, Shane's in there. You've got Shane yeah, as well. You're guaranteed a semi-finalist at he's nine to one yeah. at worst. Yeah. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, give me, yeah, give me Cole and Mario and whatever, you know, and I'll I'll take a flyer on that. Yeah. So which which of these players do you think is the most egregiously placed as far as uh, odds? For me, Cole. Cole. It's got to yeah. be Cole, right? I right. mean, that's yeah. Cole at twenty. Cole at twenty. And, and even Cole. and even Alex Kazakis. I mean, a champion two years ago. It seems really. I mean, that just seems completely off kilter too. Eklan Kachi is the world champion. Ten ball. I mean, of course, ten ball. All right, that that fine. That's at least fine. Fedor six. Well, he's not in the field anymore. But Mario, he and Victor, I think at fourteen to one is just crazy too. I don't. All of these seem. Do any of these seem right? Outside of like the the people who are minus minus five to one or. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, nine to two, in a t- in a field of sixteen killers. That's not, that's not too far off. But everybody else is just fire away at it. <laughs> if you got yeah. the money, fire. I mean, I yeah, wonder. I, what, mean, well, I mean, I wonder what odd, I wonder, wonder what kind of odds you would get on Cole getting to the semi final. I mean, just odds on him getting to the semi final is probably four to one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you double up. You double up on him and Jason. You double. You 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 go all, all the ball the bottom half of the draw on getting to the semi final. You can't lose money probably. Yeah, this is this is where you wish you had a copy of Gray's Sports Al- Almanac. <laughs> yeah, because so, yeah, well, yeah, unless unless so, FSR stops off, when you're still not going to make much. <laughs> so it's you know the question that I would love to ask is you know what do they use to create these ads? Because I mean, in their defense, there's not a lot of pool information really solid statistical information that you're going to throw into a good well, computer form, you know, uh, algorithm, whatever it is that you're going to develop for it. That's really going to give you, you know, uh, something true, but I don't, I don't know where did, where did they even come up with this? Who, well, who well, gave uh, them the information that they were basing this off of? The only thing I can think is that pool is still in its infantile phase. As far as the, the betting companies go, we saw it at the UK Open last year. There was a match that was up that was one of the female players against one of the top players, and they were basically even on that match. And everybody went in and piled money. Within 10 minutes, the bookies shut the match down and said they weren't taking any bets of uh, anything more than £5 on that match because they noticed straight away that it was just getting piled on on that match. Um, I think they're still learning. I think these odds, what you see now, will have probably changed drastically now i think if you were to go to the betting sites now and try and get 20 to 1 on coal i don't think you're going to get that anymore these were the starting odds and i think they will be adjusted based on the betting pattern yeah, sure, yeah, exactly. i'm pretty sure coal is going to be a lot shorter than 20 to 1 now so will, they doing, will they be doing match by match as well ads well if they are there's a couple of beauties in there again if you look at this i mean if they do a match by match uh, let's say zheng against Zelensky. Are you going to get five to one on Zheng in a two-horse race, race to nine? I mean, who's not going to put fifty bucks on it? You know? Yeah, right, right, right. That's I wonder if they would adjust on the uh, 
adjust down to head to heads. I don't. I really don't know how they how they figure that either. But uh, I mean that. Put, uh, I mean that would put Niels as five to one against uh, Joshua as well, or something like that, four or five, four to one against Joshua. I, I mean that doesn't make any that. sense for a two-time champion, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I I think they will be doing probably. I can. I, it's, I can't be sure, but I think there will be individual match odds. Um, but the, yeah, these ones will. I, I'm, I can only assume these have been adjusted since. You know, I mean, when it when it came out and it showed sixteen to one for Federer, I <coughs> I know people in the UK that went straight on it. You know, and they'll be they'll be upset now that he that he didn't make it because they went straight on it and they got their sixteen to one and it changed quickly. You yeah. know, um, so yeah. We see. I think it's. I think it's still very infantile. I don't think they quite know how they're supposed to. I don't think they're. They're not pricing it correctly. They didn't do it at the UK Open either. Uh, but they'll learn when they when they lose money and they realise that you know pool is even with anybody within the top any of the players within the top fifty in the world, it's a coin flip most of the time. Nine ball, uh, race to nine is a coin flip with anyone that's playing in the top fifty. And they're going to they're going to realise this and they can't have these big spreads of odds. I mean, it's. The favorite, the favorite's not going to win many tournaments um, in, in pool tournaments. Uh, so the, yeah, we we'll see. Yeah, somebody will make a bit of money. Somebody got good odds. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Are we done with the masters? Can I just say that for people who want who enjoy a bit of straight pool, uh, go to Orange Forks Productions on the Facebook page and their YouTube Orange Forks. Nick Vandenberg today and for the next four days is trying to break the straight pool record, the straight pool uh, world record, which they have as 669 because he's playing all ball fouls. And Jason's 714 had a slight graze on a ball. at. So Jason's actually got two records, apparently, the all ball fouls and the cue ball fouls uh, record. They're going for the, They're playing all ball fouls. Um, so he's trying to break his own record, which is in the low 300s. He's going for Niels Fine's Dutch record of 416. And if he gets up there, then things are going to get pretty exciting. And um, I think I'm going to go up there one of the next couple of days. He's doing it in Amsterdam, in Plan B, Amsterdam Billiards. Good. Uh, and I'm probably going to go up there and have a watch and do some commentary and uh, rack some balls for him at some stage. Yeah. Uh, good luck. Is he using a Sorry? He's using a template rack? Nope, hand racking it, triangle. Space. think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, you know, and it's 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 just a it's a club table that's been reclothed, so you know nobody's nobody's been stretching on the on the pockets to to, to get them out to five and a half inch or uh, or cutting the you know it's just standard club table that they put a new cloth on. He's polished the balls. So there's the link. Yeah. Uh, Chris Alexander just put the link up. So if anybody wants the link yep. to where you can watch this, there it is. There's some prizes to win if you manage to if you manage to uh, guess what his high run is over the, the five days, and you win yourself a Go Customs full carbon queue. The very good queues. Wow. Uh, it's what Nick plays with as well. And um, if you like a bit straight, pull watch it. He got to 213 today. He was actually playing well. He was continually. He was constantly getting above the 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 hundred, you know. He was he was he looked good. He looked really good. Uh, a couple of times, cluster didn't cluster just didn't open quite right for him. Um, played a couple of nice skill shots. He got himself out of some handy situations. So he's he's a creative player. I like watching Nick play straight pull. So uh, I'll be watching it. Tune in. The links up there. Okay, gotta get oh. that template right. I don't like it. Temp straight pull's not template. But... It, yeah, well, then Jason didn't run six sixty nine. I'll, I will agree with I, I will agree with a template rack if if you if you no if you can if it's purely 
to help the ball split, I can agree with it. But I don't like people yeah. using temperate racks where there's always one ball that's that's uh, jammed in every single time. You know, if I use a yeah, template on my yeah. table, yeah. then, then I'm gonna make, I, I don't have to play on the last ball. I can use the corner. I can make the corner ball every time by hitting the top ball or by hitting the you know one of the two top balls. Right, right, I'll make right. the corner ball. Right. That's not how a straight pull should be played. So you can play well, with a template. Pockets are nine inches long. You have nine-inch pockets. Of I don't mind playing with a template rack as long as there's no balls. That as long as the rack isn't set, so there's always a Wired. ball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Right. And else we got? And and and, and I, I think the template should probably have the buffer around the rack. So you can see that well. they're not racking high or low or what. And so you see that, that there's not a ball so leaning that, on it. Oh, really there's not a ball in there, there that, would, that yeah. would have been on the rack. Yeah, yeah. correct. Correct. Yeah. The, the, the template minimizes the threshold for what could be a correct. break ball. Correct. Right? So you've, got, you've, if, yeah. you've still, you've still got yeah. to have the same amount of room that a rack would have as well. Yeah. Well, that's why I think the best solution for those is just the little, um, the little dots. Because then you can't change it to being high or low. So like the, the you can, and you can look at John, uh, uh, John's when he did the the high his high run he was moving the rack all over the I mean he wasn't the, or what maybe it was one rack or whatever it was you can take screenshots of like where his rack was located and you can see that based off of his break ball he was moving his rack up and down to optimize there's going to be ball. human error there's going yeah there, there's going to be human error whenever you have no 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 we're not we're not we're not talking about stuff like that though we're talking yeah we're talking about racking ahead of it no. I totally get that. I totally get that. The the temp the template takes takes yeah. that away. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Well, right. just the outline. Allow the out. If, as long as it's set properly, and then you have the outline to where you know if, if a break ball is touching that line, then you know you send. But it if, table if you just use the little right. donuts that people use for training, like the little uh, reinforced circle things, for yeah. like, if yeah. you just put those, you can't obviously move those, right? So just I'll use those every I single mean, time. You know that the rack's going to be in the same exact spot every single time. You can't move it up. Or move it down based off of where your break ball is to optimize your chance. That's a lot of, of pieces of tape in the middle of a table. Yeah, but that's the template that Jason yeah. used. Yeah, it's similar to that. I mean, I don't actually care what they use as long as as long as it's standardized and everybody uses it. You know, one, yeah. one, once a record's been once a record's been set with a template, then there is a record with the template. If you want to have a record without the template, you end up with a whole lot of other things getting into it. You know, so you could have a record without a template. You could have a record with these set of balls. That's it. What's the record on? What's the high high run straight pull record on a bar box? Fifty. <laughs> I broken. I, I broken ran a rack of uh, ten ball before on a bar table, so it's at least ten. Yeah. There you go. Wow. <laughs> right and, and on that bombshell yeah right it's, it's, boy, now, it's we got two, hours, it's been, now we got another hours worth of uh things to talk about no it's been it's been two hours that's enough yep yeah guys a lot of fun guys thank you enjoyed that thanks everybody for watching thank you for all your hearts and your thumbs up and everything like that and uh hope you enjoyed the show and i'm sure we'll be back to discuss should we come back and discuss the first round matches when they're done and see if we were even close? <laughs> Only if I did well. Great. <laughs> <I'm okay. laughs> All right, guys. I'm going to hit the end button. See you Cheers. all later.